Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. Join us each month to hear ideas, inspiration and practical advice from people making change through music. These conversations are hosted by me, Anita Holford of Music Education Works and Writing Services. So I'll be focusing in particular on breaking down barriers to music through communication and advocacy, but from quite a broad perspective. I really hope you'll enjoy them. And now on with the show. So hello, it's Anita here and welcome to the latest podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with JB Rose, who is a performer, um, a recording artist and also a vocal tutor at Heart and Soul, um, which celebrates and develops the creativity of people with learning disabilities. Clean Break Theatre Company, which focuses on women in the criminal justice system and Second Wave Youth Arts, where she's also an associate director. Um, I'm also a little bit starry eyed today because JB has also supported Chaka Khan. She's worked with Coolio, Omar, Junior and various other well-known acts and had her latest tracks produced by Erica Badu and Beverly Knight's producer Neville 2B3 Thomas. Do you know, I've never said that out loud. I hope I said that right. Oh, you did it right. You did it right. Oh, brilliant. So welcome and thank you, JB. It's great to have you here on this swelteringly hot day in July. Hopefully you're somewhere cool and, and not in a boiling hot room. Hi, yes, I'm lovely. I'm in a lovely big room with a window and a patio door blowing breeze all over me. Oh, that sounds lovely. So to start off with, I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your musical journey you've done so much according to your cv and bio um so how did you end up where you are today yes when i saw that question i thought well that's a big (laughs) yeah absolutely but you know how i started off i started off in youth theater uh youth theater um, in deptford um at the albany theater yeah they had various classes and workshops that i went to regularly I went to drama classes, I went to dance classes, I went to music classes. And in that area across the road, literally across the road, there was a place called um, Lucian Academy of Music, which is now called Midi Music. Um, oh, I know Midi Music, yes. <laughs> yes, run by Wazzy, wonderful Brewster. Um, but then she, she, she's a little bit older than me, but my peer, but she was one of us kind of a kid, but now she's a mahusive, mad person with an MBA. <laughs> And that kind of stuff. So um, I came through that angle, and it was during the um, the times of um, London Borough of oh gosh, Ken Livingston times when we had that massive. There was lots and lots of funding for youth arts, young people, music, that kind of stuff. So a lot um, of the stuff you went to was free or low cost, or yeah, actually it was mostly free um, and um, subsidised. And the, the standard of teaching was absolutely brilliant. We were, I was totally immersed in the arts. In the evenings, I would literally be getting dressed, coming, sorry, coming home, getting dressed uh, to go out to do a drama class. And because, and, and every term we was working towards a show and within the drama show, there'll always be music. And then I'd be going to the Academy of Music 
course now called Midi Music. And I will be learning singing and um, how to play a little bit of keyboard. And so, so across the road from the Albany was the Lishan Academy of Music. And um, I used to go to music classes and singing classes there. I set up a band. And every Wednesday, there, um, Helen Terry was the backing singer of Boy George, who was yes. in Cult Club. And the first single had already come out. And so it, it was very exciting times. I've probably been about 12 or 13 or something. Um, so in terms of how I got to where I am now, which is lots of, I've been through so many different metamorphoses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I, I could, put, you know, if I was to just put it into one cat, you know, catch all phrase, I'd say I came through youth theater uh, and all youth arts in general where I literally was, had access to um, not only very high quality um, teaching and training, I was also mixing with people who were um, at the top of their field at the time. So Helen Terry from Culture Club at the Albany Theatre. They always had massive artists coming over like Roy Ears and um, lots of acts coming in doing performances. Jules Holland um, played there every Friday night. As people, as we were the young people, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, it was much more free-flowing in the cafe, which is a massive, large cafe. You would have all these creative people, you know, just hanging out. Um, Gil Scott Heron, that's it's come to my mind now, from, from America. And you see them hanging out in the cafe just before they do their sound check. And then because we were like the young people that use the youth theater and the youth music department, we would walk in and sit around and watch them perform. There wasn't so many gatekeepers around. Um, and um, it was a brilliant time for, for me and for my peers to just be involved in the arts. And my parents were very kind of relaxed and cool with that because I, I was always, you know, before I started going to these places, I was always, I couldn't keep still, I was always cold. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. It sounds like it's a really, it was a really good environment in terms of being collaborative and connected you into lots of networks, maybe quite participatory, would you say? Totally participatory in terms of myself as a young person getting involved in theatre, music and the arts um, and then performing. And then, as I said, we then got to watch the professionals form in the main space because we usually performed like in studio spaces or whatever. And we had access to just go and watch it and see how they do their thing. So um, that's amazing. And did yeah. you have any formal, what they call formal, you know, one to one music lessons at all oh, at yeah. that stage? Yeah, yeah. So I was um, always sort of looking for or in part of some classes. So Goldsmith College was just up the road. So I was doing courses at Goldsmith College. Um, I, I, so what I what my what I've been talking to you about is what happened from maybe twelve to twenty five. But within that, you have the more uh, you come in at a level of um, entry of interest, and of course, you I want to sing. And then as the years went on, I, I wanted more course skill and want to understand a bit more. And so then through that, I went on to um, Goldsmiths College and Lucian College. Also did music work classes and stuff like that. And then within that, I was also then, when I got to like 18, I started doing session work. Um, I was also very interested in script writing because I, I, I love theatre too. And then I wanted to know how to write a song myself and that kind of thing. 
did you know from an early age that you wanted to sort of combine both passing on skills and uh, being a mentor or a tutor yourself, as well as a performing career? Did you sort of always see that as going hand in hand? Yeah, I think for me, it was always, I mean, I didn't think of it in that way, but because I always loved children, I always loved babies, I loved kids when I was younger. So that was always happening for me. And then um, again, through the um, arts companies that I would go to and, you know, person, and once you've sort of reached a certain age and a certain level, then you would start mentoring younger kids to you. Um, and it would be formalized, uh, these small certificates um, that you would get, you know, for, you know, mentoring young people or younger people to you and that kind of stuff. So for me, yes, it was always part of me was to share what I had, my skill. Singing came easy to me, telling stories came easy to me. And then working with others also came easy to me. So when people didn't quite get it, I could go, okay, let me show you. What if you do it this way? Or you can't do a harmony, okay. Um, let's not use their fancy language. And I would use language that it would be accessible to people. So where, so from when you left school to what was the next step after sort of leaving school? What was your, how did well, you I, earn a living? I, done a nine to five <laughs> and it was never in me to do that but um because all my peers were also doing great as you said as you you know you know you know like Wazzy, she was very active in getting the arts into uh, into schools and letting young people express themselves all my peers ended up sort of becoming associate directors or directors of quite a lot of uh, London arts companies and theatres and that sort of stuff. And oh. um, so then I started tutoring. I also did a youth theatre, youth, um, youth work course as well. So I had some kind of youth work, youth work um, qualifications. I did a city and guild. Um, it's a bit like a PGCE that you call it now because I had all this experience and knowledge and then for what to enable me to kind of teach in colleges and stuff like that, I needed some kind of certification. So I worked, I went to Mission College to do some of that. And then I also did a year at Thames Valley University because I was really interested in vocals. Um, oh, right. So it looks like you've kind of built your own training program, if you like, and you combined that with actually doing it. So you're practicing it, working with young people, being a performer at the same time as cherry picking the various courses in youth work and arts and that, that were right for you. That sounds great. Absolutely, because I wanted to work in colleges and uh, as time went on and, you know, I was getting work in schools even, um, you know, they needed some kind of certification. They, they knew that I knew how to work with young people. I have all this experience. You know, I can work with massive groups of kids or massive groups of adults. I used to even do, I still do actually, inset days of teachers. Um, helping teachers to kind of think about how they teach young people and make it accessible using their maths so other you could do it in this, this particular way and that kind of stuff so that that's yeah so I kind of formalized it so yeah there, and, and within that as you rightfully said I was always being a, an artist I was doing session work I was doing drama me and two other friends we set up a theatre company called the Bomara Theatre Company with a, um, a lady called Angela Ma, who's a well-known comedian now, and Marie Berry, and the three of us was up and down doing all these comedy sketches. And then within that, I would be still going to college here and that kind of stuff and building on formal education and, and basically getting certificates that then added up to 
something that could be recognised. And so how did you get your first big break or mini break into um, being a recording artist? Because there never is the big break, is there? It's all surreal yeah. um, hodgepodge of, of opportunities, isn't it? Um, so I remember the first time I recorded something, I was doing a little Saturday job in Brixton called Bon Marche. And um, I didn't know there was a recording studio up there. And some guy turned down, came down and said, look, we're doing this song and I've written it. Anybody here can sing. I just need someone to put this song idea down. And then my friends were going, she can sing, she can sing. And uh, so I literally just went upstairs and I recorded uh, something. I was about 16 or 17 then. And they were like, wow. And, and I harmonized it because I'd been doing that, you know, in my, you know, but I had never recorded it. And um, from there on in, they were like, wow, can you come and do some more uh, song singing for us? And then I kind of got into looking at, you know, got, in those days there were newspapers like uh, NME and Melody Baker. Back in the day, they'd always be looking for singers and, um, and singers for songwriters. So I worked a lot with Rondor Music um, and people like uh, the guy that came downstairs and said, can you record my song and it was just word of mouth so I ended up doing loads of kind of singing for um, songwriters who wanted to get their ideas down and especially for Rondor music I remember recording and singing songs that were being placed with Whitney Houston at the time and Anita Baker and I was so excited oh, that goodness. I was just singing so they could get the idea you know yeah, <laughs> absolutely yeah it was absolutely amazing um, and uh, so then basically and what's happened to me for the whole of my, my life, really, has been reputation. So I, I always say I've never really sort of put up a CV or put me, you know, a website up saying I'm available for workshops and musical directing. And it's just been literally word of mouth and my reputation. And from one thing comes another thing comes another thing. And I'm always juggling like, oh, my gosh, commission here or singing for this or you know when I got a publishing deal with Westbury Music in Brixton I would be like the featured act on drum, drum and bass group um, one guy called um, James Hardway I sang with Swayzak which was a very well-known house band and I sang three or four tracks and wrote on their albums and stuff so I did a lot of that as well which was if I wasn't writing if I wasn't singing for songwriters I was the featured artist on various types of producers who just had singers on their, their album kind of thing and it, and it ranged from jazz to drum and bass to soul to house um, so that was always bubbling along. And then the theatre stuff, of course, I got into the writing as well. So I love, you know, writing stories. And I also got asked to write for the BBC. And I wrote this, I was one of the writers um, on the first black drama called Brothers and Sisters in 25 years at the time. And uh, yeah, I wrote on both series. There was two series. Um, and one of the writers is a lady called Amma Asante who is quite a really well-known director now. Again, it all started from, because I know we're looking at this thing from an educational point of view, it all started from working with my peers. And all off went off and carried on doing great things. And then whenever they were looking for, you know, as I said, someone to do some singing or some musical directing or directing or songwriting or somebody's written a film and they'll go, we just need a song that sums it up. Could you write that? Those are lyrics for that. And so when I work with young people now who just want to kind of go, I want to become the next big blah, blah. And I want to speak to the big head of the whatever. I would say, you know who 
the head of the next uh, Sony Records is, or is right beside you probably, or right in this room. And um, I always say to them, be good at what you do, and then stay friends. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just so amazing, and it's so important, isn't it? I was talking to um, Tomorrow's Warriors the other week, Janine Irons and Gary Crosby, and they were talking about creating this community of young people who are going to support each other as they journey through their musical lives and careers um, and it sounds like that's absolutely what's happened with you one of the things I was going to ask was how easy or difficult did you find it to find your own pathway in music and make a living in it and it sounds as though it was relatively easy because of your approach and because of the the kind of ecosystem around you but moving on from that I wanted to ask what would you say to organizations like music education organizations hubs music services and others who are set up to help young people with this what do you think would most help young people nowadays yeah I mean I talk about this a lot with my colleagues you know when I the way I I'm, I talked about when I was going to the Albany Theatre and there was the classes and the sessions that were available for young people, which was affordable. Although mm. I think I can't remember paying anything. And then we had access to people that were actually doing it in the in the world, and high caliber too. And nowadays, everything seems to have to always go through such a system that that doesn't get a chance to happen. So young people don't get a chance to see how when they're in a room practicing music or learning how to do something or creating a piece for show, a performance, they don't also get a chance to see how it's been done by the, the so-called successful people or the successful people. How, how, is that, how does what I'm doing now translate into the real world and what does it look like? What does it feel like? So sometimes young people think, oh, when do I stop? Or they think it's like a nine to five. Uh, there's no understanding around just kind of collaboration and I know it's you know back in those days it was I just call it the Ken Livingston time right yeah yeah it was very much into the arts very much into supporting the arts and so there was access to stars and celebrities and you could see it being made you could see we oh, I used to walk into rehearsals and, and sit at the back and watch them rehearse I could watch them stop and go okay do that again do it on the three do it on the one that sort of stuff young people don't necessarily get that, that chance to see that and then so it, it's how they apply it so finding those ways of helping young people to understand what it takes to 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 be good at what they do and being able to see their peers as well as people that are doing well in the industry. How, it, how, does it all, how does it all come together? How does the magic happen? So, so one of the things would be creating an environment where young people and professionals can mix somehow. Yeah. And, and young people just experience it. So yes, there's that, that, there is that mentoring thing where, which I've been involved in a lot with all the organisations that I work with where a young person would shadow, shadow me or shadow a director or shadow a musician. And that, but also being able to just, just have access to it and see it and, be, uh, uh, and just be a fly in the wall. And it sounds like that was a really um, empowering and open environment for young people so that you felt that you could go in and watch a rehearsal or, or ask somebody for help or ask somebody a question. And so what would you say to, to young people sort of thinking, well, I, I can't get access to this. I can't do, you know, I'm, I'm facing a lot of barriers to get where I want to, to get. Well, 
I, I think YouTube is a fantastic thing because everything's on there. I was saying that to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so people are putting up on there, you know, their process and how they write songs, how they do anything, how to put some anything together. So that's one thing. Number two, I remember, you know, how I especially got into music a lot and how I got more musical work, you know, session singer or the lead singer or got to meet bands that wanted a singer was that I would go to, I know, I know there are not many gigs, gigs are coming back, but I would go to all the gigs, the singers nights where singers would come, go on stage and sing, it would be covers, but all the singers were also doing their own albums, their own stuff, so you would perform and then they go, oh, could you sing on my new single or could you or we're looking for and so I would say get out as much as you can go and watch everything I used to go on my own as well don't be scared to go on your own you know I'd be a girl because I was in, in my groups of friends my friends were not musicians they were more actors and that kind of thing they didn't want to come where I wanted to go all the time and so gather up the courage and go and watch a gig if that's what you want to see some person perform um, and I, I still do it today, which is I go on to gigs on my own and perform myself, you know, and have courage, find courage to follow your dream. And so if you want to sing, go to the pub and see that person that you really like and sit there and watch them. And doing that, you make connections anyway. It sounds like the, um, the other really good thing that comes from your story is that you've absolutely pieced together a situation that's, that's right for you doing all sorts of things that you love and often young people can tend to be funneled by adults into one thing or another but yeah. particularly when you're creative it is possible to create what they call a portfolio career and do exactly what what you love and, and make it your own yeah and I think you know again because of I, sometimes I think the the, dis, the distance now between say someone like me or somebody who is being creative and then young, the up and coming. So there's a big divide where I was being brought up. And then I know it's the same because I also worked at Theatre Royal Stratford East and those sorts of environments where young people, again, were allowed to um, go and get involved in the workshops and the classes and stuff. But then they will have total access to the um, what's going on in the main space. They was also usher and all that kind of stuff. And then those young people are now heads of all sorts of things. And that seems to be a big gap these days. There's no mixing of the kind of people that have done it and haven't done it. And we, we need to find a way to do that because sometimes now when you come across artists, young that are coming up, as you said, they're kind of very tunneled in a vision. That's it, I'm just doing this. Um, and, and it limits them um, because there's all sorts of other possibilities around them that they're not able to access because they don't understand the importance of it and they don't even see it, you know. So be open-minded. Yeah, to be open-minded is definitely the case. And understand the word collaboration. When I run my singing classes, I always say the biggest hits that you can think of that sold all around the world are always collaborations. Every single one of them. Ed Sheeran does not write on his own. He is a collaborative person. And so I, and I tell that to artists who just want to sit there on their own and write song, which is good. You can do that. And you, but you know, Elton John, everybody, they collaborate because that's where you get the best out of your art. And that's why, you know, music groups are such an important part of, of the whole musician's development 
Okay. Um, in something you wrote, you said, I'm very blessed to be able to make a difference through singing, songwriting and music, and also working with three exceptional charities, all of which are leaders in their field. It's the love for singing, sharing, connecting and lifting up others that allows me to create all this music. And that kind of seems to sum up what we've been talking about, all those parts of your being and all those parts of what music can do for people is, is sort of um, incorporated in your, your life today. But can you tell me a little bit about more about those three charities that you work with and it sounds a bit of a daft question now because we've talked about this but but why that's an important life part of your life um I'll answer that bit first so why it's important because I came up through youth theatre and I don't know if I if I hadn't come up through youth theatre and I met all the variety of people I don't think I'd be the person that I am today and when you come up through youth theatre and youth arts you meet everyone from all walks of life so the organisations that I work with are three very different organisations. So Clean Break I've been with over 20 years now. And every year I run a variety of different musical um, sessions. So I, last year I was a musical director and a writer of a, a small piece, but it's with women, ex-prisoners or people that are in trouble of being offend, offenders. So Clean Break's been going for 40 years. And they run drama, music and well-being sessions for women who come out of prison some of it's accredited some of it leads into they, they're connected with central school and so a lot of the women um, have the opportunity of actually doing the degree course there or the MA course there and they come and they have an experience however long that experience needs to be to then decide what they want to do sometimes they do it just because they want confidence I always have in my, I've got many memories in my mind of that experience that I had one particular lady, she was a grandma, she was like 70, 70 or something, coming to do drama and music, and she did music with me. And in this particular class that I was doing, they ended up, they would end up recording a song that we would have written in the class. And this particular grandma lady, she said she had such a hard life, and most of the women, for all of the women that I work with, had something that happened when they were younger, when they were teenagers, or no support from adults and it wasn't just one class it was all classes there were middle class people there were really rich people there there were people that people typically think would be in a prison but they were not they were all across the board and that lady she cried and she said you know in a circle going around saying your name and being her you might think is so simple and now we've written a song if I had this sort of support growing up I would have never ended up the way I've ended up oh gosh uh, and it just broke I just like oh my gosh and working with clean break and the women there there have been so many of those occasions especially whenever we go into the music room into the singing booth um I suppose because we have this perception of you know when you go into the recording studio you know we will we always lead up to that bit and there are so many women that when we used to hit the recording studio and the mic and I tell them how to use the mic and microphone technique now they're going to record the song and then there would be tears look you know from where I've come from what I've experienced what I've done and I think having the understanding of people from all walks of life comes from the fact that I came from youth arts because when I was going to my arts classes they were in the room everybody was there and we all had one love which was the arts and then um, Heart and Soul, um, I, I learned, I, I know Heart and Soul from the Albany Theatre because of course I came up through Heart and Soul. And it goes back to this thing about 
your peers are, are the people that will end up possibly giving you work or you giving them work. So Mark um, Williams is the CEO of Heart and Soul, which is now um, a celebrated trailblazing disability arts organization doing music for people with disabilities. The age group again is everybody from you know, they've got young people music program to people. I work with a woman called Lizzie Emma and she's been with Heart and Soul for years and they do um, albums. And Heart and Soul, what they do is they offer arts again to people with disabilities of all kinds. Um, and they often then they attach professional performers with them and professional artists. So with Lizzie, for example, in her band, um, she writes songs, I help her, I co-write with her as well. But in her band is Charles Stewart, who is he, whenever Mariah Carey comes over, he is, the, he is her um, musical director. Um, also J Grace Jones, when she tours in Europe, Charles and the drama um, all play with Grace Jones. So these people are, you know, top of their, their field and working with all these big international artists, but I call it our day job is supporting people like Heart and Soul and being in their band and supporting those musicians. And again, um, giving a, a voice and a face to people with um, other abilities. So that's Heart and Soul. And I met Heart Mark through the Albany and Mark was just like me, a young person. And then he was really interested in supporting people with disabilities. And he set up Heart and Soul with a few other people and off they went. And then Second Wave again was very similar. So Second Wave was a youth arts organization. It started off as a women's group because at the Albany and at that time anyway, there was a lot of support for um, young people, but men, the men seem to dominate the art space. So Second Wave was born. Um, and then it became a mixed group. And then after I'd sort of done my time as an artist there and I got all the support I wanted and I went away. Um, and then I kind of came back to do your classes and sessions. And then eventually I became associate director for Second Wave. And I can't, that, that's definitely a come up through kind of thing. So, um, and, and second wave work with young people from um, 11 to 25. And lots of young people have come through, like Shingi Shonewa, who used to be in a group called Noisettes. Oh, um, yes. Remember yeah, Shingi yeah. through, so, so through second wave. I've, we've had loads of young people that have gone on to perform and be in things like X Factor and young people that are performing on Coronation Street and all that sort of stuff. So loads of young people have also come through these organisations uh, and even in Clean Break that are now kind of sort of household names and stuff like that. Oh, that's brilliant. And do you think those young people are have the same ethos as you in that they think that it's, it's part of their life as a musician to pass it on that sort of each one teach one type of idea I think so because the youth, youth sorry youth arts it has a different kind of feel to maybe if you went to like drama school the young people that I know that have come through the arts and even some of them that are not artists um, like my sister actually came through the arts and now she teaches business and um, marketing at Westminster College yeah and she always talks about if she never had that arts background she said the way in which she approaches her teaching and understanding collaboration and understanding why people have barriers to learning is it, she, she said she wouldn't be the teacher she is today and she's always winning awards and she became a fellow at her university the other day. And that's because of the grounding of what, you know, youth arts can do to, for young people um, and understanding that it's a collaborative 
piece and that you have something to bring to the table. I always work with artists or young people or anybody who I'm working with. Go, I can't sing, I can't act, I can't write, I can't do anything. And I always go, okay, so we put that away, put that in a second. And uh, then we go through a process and then we always end up with, even if it's a one, one-off workshop, we always end up with something that they have created and I just kind of like, you know, orchestrate it. And they're like, wow, I never thought I could write anything. Wow, I didn't think I could sing anything. Ah, I couldn't think, oh. And unlocking that is always a pleasure. Absolutely, because the creativity is always somewhere in a person, isn't it? Just as music is, it's just a case of unlocking it and giving people confidence to, to release it, really. And that's the, the power of a really good um, a tutor or mentor. I've got one final question. Um, but before I do, I just wanted to invite you to tell people about where they can find you and what your releases are and are all about. And also, I forgot to mention that there's a, a whole other strand t- to you, which is vegan singing, mum. So t- tell me a little bit about all of those things. <laughs> All right, so I love cooking and uh, always, I come from a large family and I became a vegan about 12 years ago. And I'm always cooking because my I, my mum passed two years ago and then they both kind of got diabetes and I was taken to hospital all the time and they were talking about food. I then did my, I set up a YouTube blog called JB Rose Singing Vegan Mum. And every Sunday I put up a recipe, um, usually healthy, so I won't, you know, we won't be deep, in deep fried oil or anything like that or and I also find sh- different sugar alternatives so yes I have a website <laughs> so I've, I've got a YouTube called Dave Rose Singing Vegan Mum because I'm passionate about cooking and then also I had just literally released as you said at the beginning a single called Gold and it's out now on, on all streaming platforms actually it's a remix of the original which was released about six weeks ago yeah so I'm I'm it's it's a soul song and that's available I've got a website www.jbrose.co.uk yes so last year um I haven't had a single app for a long time like me on my own so last year I wrote a song called Back to Love um which really did really well and it was all about really you know we were doing the middle of the pandemic Everybody, of course, was panicking and there was a lot going on. And then at the same time, about um, a year just before that, less than a year, my young cousin, who was only 21 and he was going to university, he went to a nightclub in London and, uh, oh, sorry, in Kent, and he came out. There was this big fight that was happening in front of him and he got caught in the crossfire and he was killed. And it really devastated our family. Um, and so the song, the second verse especially, talks about, you know, there's a lot happening. People are angry. People are worried. Um, and the song is called Bring It Back to Love. So let's bring everything back to love. And, that, and that's available again on all downloads. And, there's a web, and, the, and the video I filmed at home. And my, I've got two boys who are 11 and 7, and they filmed it at home. It was a lockdown video. And then, then to follow on this year, Gold is all again about, you know, not doubting yourself and and believing in yourself and realizing that you're gold. And again, that's doing really, really well. I just found out actually that it's number five in um, an American soul chart. Oh, well done. That's brilliant. And they are really beautiful songs and well worth listening. I'm sure anybody who works with young people or young people themselves will find them really inspiring. Um, so finally, can you tell me a bit, a bit of a big question, but can you tell me what you'd like to see change in terms of opportunities and progression pathways for young people in music? Okay, so I think I alluded it to it earlier. I think there needs to be some kind of bridge 
between young people and people that are already doing it. It doesn't have to be older people, but some kind of way in which young people get a chance to meet and collaborate and be mentored by people that are actually doing it in the music industry. I think there needs to be no barriers to people to get into the, to the industry. I mean, there are always barriers and that's, you know, age, color, class, you know, um, sexism and that kind of stuff. So there needs to be finding, there needs to be ways in which um, there, there's access for young people. Because um, what I find when I do find young people who are very talented, that they um, they need to just understand again what I've been talking about the whole thing about collaboration and being open to other 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 ideas and other people because that will only enrich um, what they have to offer. So I would say to people who are offering um, music to people to think about how they really help young people connect it in the real world and that is if there's a job there's work for them you can work as I said I've worked I've never done a nine to five um and that's because I'm open to uh, you know working with somebody who's a dancer who wants somebody to sing while they're dancing and that kind of thing absolutely brilliant and inspiring advice thanks so much JB I've loved talking to you I'd love to have a longer natter um <laughs> let's do that sometime um but for now Thank you. And if you want to read more about JB, I'll share the link to her website and networks and all that type of thing in the show notes. And make sure to listen to the tracks because they're really beautiful. Thanks, JB. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. That's the end of our show this time. Thank you for listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. And make sure to subscribe so that you get to hear about future episodes. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you'd like to know more about me and how I help music and creative organisations through communications, then visit writing-services.co.uk and get in touch. Thanks for listening and have a great week.